0: This was about as bizarre and as easy as it gets.
1: So the number for me was a number that would allow me to never have to work again.
0: I feel like we got top, top, top.
1: I went from a sale of you know five hundred thousand dollars to in debt
2: one hundred ninety two million dollars. This
1: is Built to Sell Radio with your host John Warlow. This episode
0: of Built to Sell Radio is brought to you by Prescore. What on earth is a Prescore? Pre stands for personal readiness to exit your company. And here we're looking to evaluate how personally ready you are to leave your company. You know, when you go to sell a business to have a successful exit and look back on it without regret, you need two things. Number one, a company that is attractive to an acquirer, to a company that's built to sell. And number two, you personally need to be ready to to exit that business. We found that there are four drivers of a happy and lucrative exit, four ways you can personally ready yourself to exit your business. And by completing your pre-score, you are going to see how you're performing against those four major drivers of a happy and lucrative exit. Just go to prescore.com. Oh man, I had so much fun with this interview. Griffin-Thal and Paul Goodman leave university and go to Costa Rica on a trip. They buy some bracelets, they decide to take some bracelets home with them. 10 years later, they sell their bracelet company for roughly a hundred million dollars. It's an amazing story about a couple surfers done good. And um, I'll let him tell you the whole story. Couple things to be on the lookout for. Listen for how he describes his subscription model. Although relatively small amount of revenue, I think it was key to providing his acquire that sense of recurring revenue. So interesting about that. Listen to how they built their brand using their ambassador program, like 100,000 of these ambassadors across campuses. Um, There's a really nice juxtaposition between the private equity deals he was offered and the strategic deal that he ended up accepting. So listen for the differences between those. I love the trophy that Thal bought himself, so have a listen for what he uh, what he chose to, uh, to use, part of the money, part of the proceeds to do. Um, and also, the persona that he describes as his ideal customer is really important, especially when you're growing, if you can propagate that across your organization, it really helps visualize for everybody, right down to the rank and file employees in your company, who you're trying to serve, here to tell you the entire story. Is Griffin Thal. Griffin Thal, welcome to Built to Cell Radio. Thank you. I want to hear about this fateful trip to Costa Rica. <clears throat> I've been there, but I want to know more about the one that you took 10 years ago or so.
2: Yeah. Um, so, me and uh, my business partner, Paul, um, we weren't business partners at the time, obviously. We went on a surf trip to Costa Rica after graduating from San Diego State and um we were there for 5 weeks just to surf and party and explore and backpack and just put ourselves in danger as much as possible um and then after one day after we were surfing um we met these two guys on the beach making bracelets and we walked up to their little table they probably had a you know a little wooden tray with maybe 20 bracelets on it and we asked them if we could buy a couple so later that night we went back to our room we looked down at our wrists and we said hey I think we can sell these to our friends and family. And I don't know what triggered from buying a couple to selling them to friends and family, but something clicked. And the next day we went back and sure enough, you know, Jorge and Joaquin were still there selling bracelets off the little tray right by the beach. And we asked them to make us 400 bracelets. They said they couldn't do it. Um, it's just too much work. And little did you know, um, you know, we, uh, we found a way for them to do it. So um, they made How did you find
0: a way for them to do it?
2: Um, they... We we paid them cash up front, um, and it was more money than they've pretty much ever seen from one customer. Because um, they're selling the bracelets for you know a couple bucks on the beach, so for us to give them a, you know a couple hundred dollars at that time, it was it was pretty eye opening for them. And um, we asked them to make us the bracelets. They packed up their things, and they never sold bracelets on the beach again. <laughs> How did you know they were good for the money? Um, honestly, I don't know. Um, I think it was just kind of a risk we were willing to take. Um, they were there pretty much every day. We were at this little uh, hotel, so we we knew, we knew that they were going to be back the next day. Um, and you know, it was probably some of the last couple hundred dollars in our bank account at the time. So ah, yeah, love it. You got to think this was a college graduation trip. So after graduating, you know, we we got some money from our parents and our friends and family to as a as a you know a celebration present, and we used that money to go to Costa Rica. And what we paid them was pretty much the end of our bankroll.
0: And so for, for folks who haven't seen a, a Pure Vita bracelet, um, like what does it look like? How would you describe it
2: to me? So it's nine strings, wax-coated polyester, it's waterproof, it's adjustable, and it doesn't change colors in the sun. Do you so, have one on right now? Um, I did. I just gave one away, actually. So okay. Um, but I was going to say, yeah, hold it up on YouTube. I know, I know. I usually, um, I, I, I'm either wearing them half the time or not wearing them half, them half the time, and it's for a generous marketing opportunity that they want to give it to someone.
0: Got it. So I'm assuming that it's not terribly expensive to, to create one. If, if Jorge was selling them for a couple of bucks, like I'm guessing they're pretty inexpensive or.
2: Yeah. I mean, they're, they're pretty inexpensive, but um, you know, we've, we've, uh, as much as we've scaled the business, we've never really negotiated our rates with Jorge. Um, we've never tried to penny pinch him. We've never tried to maximize um, or risk the relationship. Um, it's been very, uh, trustworthy. Um, it's been very, um, you know, consistent, and I think both of us feel that we need each other to succeed. Are you still getting the bracelets from the same guy? Oh yeah, Jorge and Joaquin. They wow. run the operation. They have almost a thousand employees now, handmaking <laughs> every of bracelet.
0: Okay, hold on a second. That's just a, the craziest story. So you're taking a guy that's selling bracelets on the beach, ten years later, he's running a thousand-person organization. Exactly. That's insane. It's insane. <laughs> I mean, how, how do you teach somebody to like, literally like run a thousand person company? That's inc- like, how, like, like uh, did you it, train him? You must
2: honestly, have I, I think, I think it was just, that was part of the luck that crossed our path is that we both realized uh, there was an opportunity to be had and we both ran with it. And, you know, this was mine and Paul's first job out of college. We've never used our resume. We've never raised funding. We've never done anything like this. So, um, it was it was a big learning curve. And I think they had the same learning curve, you know, in a third world country to be able to scale a business. So to say that we taught them how to grow their business is, is completely not true. You know, they did that on their own. So we run two separate businesses um, and uh, it's, it's been, it's been extremely successful. What do you mean you run two separate businesses? Help me understand so, so we don't own his company. Got it. Get, so got technically it. like if, if you were, if you were to go manufacture a product, you wouldn't own the manufacturing plant as well. Um, you'd be buying it as a cost of good. That's just kind of how we set it up in the beginning.
0: So when you sold the company, how how much of a liability was it not to control manufacturing? Was that something that came up in the discussions?
1: Um, I mean, yes and
2: no, more just like quality control and um, you know making sure that the operation is safe and passes tests and all that stuff. So um, I think that it's It's something that was not a red flag, but it was it was a discussion point. Mm, Got
0: it. Got it. So tell, I mean, take me like we we don't have time for the entire story, but if you think back over the ten years, you go from buying four hundred bracelets. Well, let me get into the next part. So what what happens next? You get you you come back to the states. What was? Give me the next part of the story.
2: So um, we came back to the states, and we had a trash bag full of string. Um, Technically, we we're $400 less rich and had a bag of string. And me and Paul were just basically bumping our heads together, being like, all right, now what do we do? Um, mm-hmm. That's a big mystery question. So what we realized was we just graduated from college. Um, Facebook was pretty much just starting, it was maybe a year or two in. Um, you know, we built a Facebook fan page for our business. We called it Pura Vida Bracelets. Um, and to back, to back check really quick, the reason why we named it Pura Vida was because when, when we were surfing that day after bottom, we looked down at our wrists and we're like, what do we call these things? Rainbow bracelets, beach bracelets, trendy bracelets, like try to think of like Google search terms that might like work. Um, and then we realized that Pura Vida was the slogan of Costa Rica. You know, if you go to a restaurant and the server, um, you know, takes your check, they say Pura Vida and it means basically "pure life or, or some, some, some sort of symbol that says like, thank you, or I'm glad you're here or something to make you feel kind of welcome and homey. Um, similar to Aloha is in Hawaii. So when we looked down at our wrist, me and Paul were like, Hey, why don't we just call them pure Vita bracelets? Because the name makes us feel good. And we looked at the trademark and it was open. So we bought the trademark and that's how we started. How do you buy a trademark? Um, I mean, you have to know someone who is a trademark attorney, um, and basically work with them. And that's, that's one way. So, um, our friend's dad was actually a trademark attorney. So we really didn't have to search much further than just asking him to do the search for us. Got it. So you trademarked the name. How do you start selling these bracelets? Yes, yeah, so we came back, um, trademarked the name. You know, did as 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 basic business stuff as possible. Um, you know, I think we used LegalZoom in the beginning to just kind of get simple things set up. Um, we you know we have an S corp. Um, you know, we opened a bank, a bank account at Wells Fargo. Basically, like the stuff that um, anyone would really think that you have to do just to open a business. So then after that, um, we realized that we needed to make a website. That was our first thing. So we looked on YouTube how to build a website and I think we built it on WordPress. Um, It was not mobile friendly, you know, shopping on your phone was really not a thing 10 years ago. So is crazy to think. Um, So now after that, we have a non-mobile friendly website probably takes 12 to 14 seconds to load the homepage. And we have a Facebook fan page and we have a bag of string. So how does someone (laughs) take all that and start selling? So what we did, um, we started to, Go around San Diego. We pass out bracelets at the bars and restaurants. Um, we were big into the, the kind of you know twenty-one year old kind of uh, music scene in San Diego. So we would go to the, the clubs and pass out bracelets to DJs and the people that went. Um, and then when so you start- when you say pass out, you're saying freebies. Freebies, yeah. Okay. So we only had four hundred. So picture four hundred goes down to two hundred, and our bank account still doesn't go up. But now we have fifty percent less inventory. What do we do? <laughs> so once that started happening, people would text us and say, Hey, thanks for the bracelet you gave me last night. Is there any way that I could get another one? And then we're like, okay, um, just come by our house. And at the time we're like one month in the business. So we basically told these people that hit us up to come to our house and grab a bracelet out of this trash bag. Um, once we did that enough times, now our inventory of 200 now went down to zero. So we basically barely made any money. You know, we sold a couple of that 200 and, and then we emailed Jorge for another batch. So a day goes by a week goes by, no response. On day 10, he finally writes back and he says, hey guys, sorry for the delay. And this is all in Spanish, obviously. Um, hey guys, so sorry for the delay. Um, I would love to get you the bracelets. Um, you know, please uh, let me know how many you needed the address because he never shipped to us before. So before we left Costa Rica that first time, we actually set him up with an email address, a PayPal and all this just in case. I mean, I don't even know why we even thought that far, but we just did. So once he wrote back on day 10, it was just like fireworks. We were just like ecstatic. Like now we have our manufacturing locked down. He wants to make more bracelets and we can go to step two. So now um, we sent him money for the bracelets. Obviously we fronted the money again. We took that risk. Um, we negotiated the price. And um, like two weeks later, now we have a thousand bracelets in my bedroom floor. So what did we do? We repeated the same thing, passed out bracelets around San Diego. And Those then- a slow finally, learners, man. I know. And then <laughs> finally- and then during this time, we built the website too. We watched videos on YouTube. We built the website. I took product photos. Didn't even know how to do that. Um, didn't have an iPhone back then. Had a Blackberry. So I had to like get a camera. Um, just basic, as basic as you can. And then orders started to come in the website. And we started seeing people that we were passing, passing out the braces here around San Diego would order from San Diego and LA and SF. And then they would start going to the East Coast. And what's the margin? Like, like what are they paying and how much are you guys paying? Um, I mean, it's, it's pretty, it, we get them for a good price. Um, it's similar margins to, you know, other brands that are like in our accessory category. Um, I, I would say that that's, that's probably as, as accurate as, you know, as, as it would be. Um, I'm interpret that to be massive. <laughs> 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 what, okay.
0: Let, let me like, what's the Pure Vita bracelet cost? Like if I were to buy one on, online at this, at this juncture yeah, yeah. in history.
2: I mean, you could buy them anywhere from $6 to a pack of races is like $45.
0: Okay. So at this time though, when you're just starting to sell yeah. your first thousand, selling, what are you?
2: We're selling you? the races for $5 on our website. Um, so to kind of branch off what I was saying before, um, Paul and I just graduated from state from San Diego state. We were both in fraternities. We were close to our Greek organization. So then what we did, we hit up all the sororities and we hit up all the fraternities We asked them if we could come in and give a talk about our new, our new brand. So we would knock on the door, um, with a scheduled, um, time to come in. We would go to the front of the chapter meeting and we would talk about what we just did after graduating college for two reasons. One, to inspire people, two, to market the brand and three, to see if we can get some more people to like our Facebook page. So after we did that, we would go to sorority, 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 and fraternity, fraternity, fraternity. And then our Facebook fan page was starting to explode. We went from zero likes to a thousand likes to 50,000 likes to a hundred thousand likes. And this is with a hundred percent organic reach. Hmm. Okay. So then what we would do, I would get new bracelets in from Costa Rica. I would take a photo of them. I'd put it on the fan page and I'd say, like this photo, if you want this bracelet. And we would get a thousand, 2000 likes in the first hour. It would just, everyone wanted this bracelet. And then they say, where, where do you get it? And then we put a link to the website. The website would explode. We'd sell out. And that's how we placed the second order of Shira Wow.
0: How, uh, many people who are sort of into marketing know that, that Facebook over time or recently has sort of demoted or, or, and no longer shows those organic results anymore. How did that impact your business?
2: So once, once the Facebook page went from 100% organic and then pretty quickly started to just almost go to 50%, then zero, um, what does that mean? hundred percent to zero for people who don't really know what we're talking about? Like, yeah. So basically when we first started our fan page back in 2010, 11, the reach was hundred percent organic. So if you had a hundred thousand followers, all of them would see a post because they're signing up to like the page, meaning that they want to see your content. So as Facebook started to um, release uh, their ads platform, it started to reduce the organic reach and require you to pay for the reach. And once that shift took place, then we had to be creative with our marketing, which allowed Pura Vita to drastically scale on the, plate, the paid platform. So
0: maybe walk us through what did that involve, the, the evolution from the kind of natural to, to paid? Yeah.
2: So, so once we built the brand on as, as quick as we could on the organic side, um, we were able to use Facebook, uh, Facebook Ad Manager to start creating Facebook ads. And what that means is we would um, get our product shot we, from influencers, from in-house, um, from anywhere we possibly could to create the most um, jaw-dropping images that would click—that that people would click on and go to our website to make a purchase. So we would create different ad sets for different product categories. So we'd have a, an ad set for the original collection. We'd have an ad for specific style packs, which is a, a pack of four or five bracelets combined. We'd have um, a Facebook ad for a ring or for something like that. Um, and once we would have all these different types of ad sets, customers from all over the world were starting to come into our website from these ads. And that's what, that's what Pyramid really took off.
0: Got it. Got it. And, and again, I'm, I'm a complete neophyte when it comes to social media. I don't have an Instagram account. I've checked Facebook like three times in my life. <laughs> what, 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 when you say advertising, are you, are you, are you describing about promoting a post or are you really talk, talking about ads that we think of in the traditional sense of sort of thumbnail ads?
2: Yeah. So it's, it's not really um, promoting a post. It would be more um, going through like the Facebook ad manager um, okay. and uploading, uploading a photo as an ad. So basically, it, it's, it's, you could do a post promotion. We've never really done that um, just because the way that we do it is, is so at scale and you ha- need to have a little bit more control and um, the ability to kind of be uploading different ad sets and variations of maybe tests.
0: Got it. And then, and then what... <sighs> How did you track the emergence of Instagram? Because I understand Instagram has basically taken over from Facebook as the primary platform, certainly in the, that kind of age group that you're
2: after. Yeah. Um, so for us, once, um, once Instagram, or I technically once Facebook bought Instagram, um, that's kind of when it really gained popularity. And we use Instagram as our, as our gallery to showcase the best that Media can offer. So you got to think why someone likes or follows an account. It's because they truly want to, they want to see the content. They want to see your products. They want to hear your story. They basically want to have any way to engage with your brand in the most creative way possible. So for Pure Vita, if you look at our Instagram, we have 1.9 million followers. We're the largest jewelry brand on Instagram. Um, Sorry, we're the most engaged jewelry brand on Instagram Um, between our likes, our comments, and everything. We're bigger than most brands that are triple our size. Um, And that all comes down to content. You know, our team in house, and our team of influencers and content creators are the best that they possibly can in their industry. Um, we, we send people all over the world with bracelets. They put them in their backpack. They go to the top of a the mountain. They take a picture. They do a backflip off a cliff. They bring their GoPro. They dive deep underwater, snap a picture. So that's the type of experience and the type of lifestyle that we create. We branded a swim bracelet. And most people would think that that's impossible to do. And we've done that through photography and through videos that inspire people to travel. Do you pay people to wear your bracelet? Uh, some of them now. We have some like bigger brand ambassadors um, that we work with, you know, kind of on a monthly basis. So, um, you know, we're paying them to create content for us to post about us. Um, we also host these influencer trips, um, and what an influencer trip is is where our team, um, our in-house social media team, um, will pick a location. They'll pick the the faces and the personalities that we want to be a part of this experience. Um, bring them to a location. Um, have a bunch of photographers and just photograph them having a fun time, and that's it. It's
0: an amazing story. I want to get into your decision to sell, but before I do, it's a ten-year run. We we kind of we went from four hundred bracelets to a thousand bracelets, um, from Facebook to to Instagram. Uh, like as you would look back over that ten years, and it's I'm sure very difficult to do this, but is there one decision that you made? Um, that has really enabled a lot of the growth that you enjoy today. Because because a lot of people are sitting here saying, you know, I've had an Instagram account for three years and I've got like 200 people that have liked, like, <laughs> you know what I mean, or like these numbers of 1.9 million. I mean, it's just it's just mind blowing for, yeah. for folks. So, is there? Could you point to a decision
2: you made? Um, I would say a couple things. Um, you know, for us, inventory was always an issue. So we had to know how to scale a scale a manufacturing facility in a third world country. The beginning stage is only speaking Spanish. So um, I would say the biggest factor to perfect that was hiring an in-house um, supply chain expert. Um, and, you know, we brought in someone from um, a bigger company. And, you know, she's been really helping with Pure Vida's growth because, you know, she's really secured our manufacturing, um, our relationships um, with the vendors, but also making sure that the quality controls there and the scalability is there. So, if you are a fast growth company, um, making sure that your su- your supply chain and logistics is dialed, um, that's more important than the marketing from the beginning stages.
0: The guy on the beach with the tray of bracelets was Jorge.
2: Jorge and Joaquin. Jorge.
0: Jorge and Joaquin. What did you tell your <laughs> supply chain management about your relationship with those two guys? you bring in this executive from a big company, he or she knows their stuff. Mm -hmm. And you kind of say, but there are these two guys on the beach that we really like. (laughs) Like, did you say no matter what, you got to use them or Uh, did you give them that kind of structure? Pretty
2: pretty much, yeah. I mean, you know, Pure Vita is built on, it's built on a story. You know what I mean? You can't replicate it and you can't remove it. So as long as the story lives on and we're working with the people that we've been with since day one, then I think that she's doing a great job.
0: What was her reaction to those handcuffs? Cause that, but that puts a pretty serious yeah. uh, restriction on her doing her job.
2: I, I think it's, it's pretty well known that the brand and the word of mouth pure Vida is so strong because of the story and this, this, the story of two college grads going to Costa Rica. Like it's, it's, it's what's engraved and it's what allows the word of mouth to be so, um, you know, so viral. So I, I, I think it's, it's pretty known that that just kind of had to stay.
0: How have you found staying relevant? So so before I ask that, what's the target market for peer review? Like, how would you describe the sort of typical customer?
1: Um, The the typical target customer? Yeah. I would say, uh, you know, high school, college,
2: female, um, you know, someone that, uh, you know, loves loves the charitable component of a brand, um, you know, loves the recyclable water bottles, loves the sandals loves the kind of oversized t-shirt, kind of the like uh, laid back lifestyle everywhere you go. So whether you're at the beach, whether you're at home, whether you're at the movie theaters, you're never really wearing makeup and buttoned up and wearing heels. Like that's not the Pure Vita customer. The Pure Vita customer is someone that is relatable, um, that cares about the environment. Someone that is, you know, health conscious, -conscious, eco-conscious and someone that really
1: is is really into giving as well.
0: So here's a. A goofy question again. I've never been involved in a business-to-consumer company, so I'm asking this with genuine, like, ignorance. So when, when I'm imagining, when you're in college, when you're like right out of college, kind of knowing how college age or high the high school age girls think is pretty easy because you're interacting with a lot of them. I'm guessing um, through the Greek stuff and the fraternities. I mean, it's kind of like your everyday life, right? 10 years go by, like, how do you kind of stay inside the head of that target customer? How do you, because like, does that, do you know what I'm asking? Like, how do you stay yep. kind of, I don't know relevant is the right word, but you yeah. know kind of
2: how they're thinking? So I think that we solved that problem on year one and we've continued to engage um, with that solution. And what it is, is creating a platform that allows me and Paul walking into the fraternities and sororities um, and going in and going into each one and telling our story. How do we do that at scale? And how do we do that with thousands of people across the US? So we created a brand ambassador program. And basically, what that is, is a way for people to sign up on our website to be a voice of Pura Vita on their college campuses. So right now, we have over 100,000 brand ambassadors that represent Pura Vita on their universities. And if you do the math, that's probably a couple dozen per college campus in the US. So which is insane because this army of brand reps is the most organic guerrilla marketing strategy possible and it's easily done at scale. And I would say this is probably one of the biggest things um, of Pura Vita that allowed us to grow organically so quickly before Facebook ads because we relied on the brand ambassadors to get the word out. We'd give them stickers, we'd give them bracelets, we'd give them a t-shirt, we'd give them a banner, flyers, whatever they wanted. And their passion for the brand and to promote it and feel like they're in the cool club is just priceless.
0: And so I love it. How did you, uh, so the value, they get free stuff. They get stickers, swag, obviously bracelets. What is it that you ask them to do?
2: So basically what we ask them to do, um, on our website, they have a, they have a rep code. So it's basically their name, their last name, then a 20. So they share pure Vita with their friends. They get 20% off and then they also get 10% back as a reward. So it's kind of a double ended thing. And as they're going through these tiers, if they make one sale, they get five free bracelets. If they make three sales, they get a rep charm. It says Pura vita rep. If they make five sales, they get a Pura vita staff t-shirt that only people in our office get to have. So not only are they promoting a brand that they're so passionate about, there's a financial reward. And then there's also gifts as you're going through the tiers. I love it. It's awesome.
0: And so what would a, like, what would it kind of an average or above the above average Pura vita rep make? a year. Like how how much would they make on their on their
2: commission? I mean it's 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 not that much. I mean maybe maybe they'll do a couple sales during the year, but it's not just about the revenue side. You know, they're they're talking about the brand. They're giving Pure Vita another impression that's outside of the Facebook ad, that's outside of the the, the the Instagram page, that's outside of the retail presence. Like they are giving that other impression that other brands would have to pay for otherwise.
0: Love it. Awesome. All right take me up to present day because you've just sold a company. Dear Bradley has has bought it. Um, t- tell me how you and Paul, sorry, you and Paul are the only uh, shareholders. Did you raise any money before the, the sale?
2: No. So we started with hundred dollars each and never took on funding. Fantastic. What an
0: amazing story. So why, wh- what was it that triggered your decision to sell?
2: Um, I don't think it was a decision that just triggered a sell. I think that we were getting hit up by private equity pretty much every week at this point. Um, We were taking calls and meetings and, you know, we kind of felt that the brand was was at such a pivotal point that having some strategic expertise and a little bit more guidance would really bolster the brand for continued rapid growth. And yes, we could have done it on our own. But I think having a partner like Vera Bradley that's helping out with 35 years of experience versus our nine and a half is, is just priceless. So think about they're taking off you know, from accounting, HR, payroll, accounts receivable, um, helping out with legal, some of the financial stuff. So you, so all that stuff, instead of us continuing to build our headquarters, um, you know, with a bunch of back office operations, we're, we're scaling more with the marketing team, the sales team and the creative people. So that's what's really going to bring Pure Vita forward. And then we can leverage Vera Bradley for their 35 plus years of expertise in the back office functions.
0: Got it. So you guys got to a point where you were kind of craving some of that, that, that advice or that, that expertise, if you will, was that what? Yeah. I would would say,
2: I would say that's probably the biggest thing. Um, you know, you can, you can network with other founders. You can, you know, go to, you, you could hire consultants, you can go to these networking events, but, um, to have someone that is invested the same way you are for success is way different. And I think once we interviewed, um, we, we interviewed, I think, 25 groups. Um, we had seven offers and we chose Vera Bradley because it was the most strategic. It was the smartest partner and we were confident, um, with the people that we wanted to do business with. Got
0: it. So when you, so at some point you, it sounds like you initiated a, a, um, sort of an M&A mergers and acquisition mandate of some sort. You hired an M&A firm and they went out and sort of talked to them. Correct.
2: Yeah. We hired a, um, you know, uh, a firm to help kind of represent us and help us, um, help pitch us. How um, did you find that MA firm? Um, we, you know, we've been going to trade shows, um, for a long time. And, uh, you know, there was, there was, this one guy that would come up to our booth all the time and, and chat with us and basically just kind of form a relationship. So about five years ago, you know, he would come to our trade show booth. He'd be like, Hey, you know, you guys aren't ready, but when you are, I'm here for you. And year over year after that, you know, he kept, kind of continuing the relationship and just kind of looking after Paul and I and Pura Vida. And, you know, when we were ready, we picked up the phone and, and he
1: was, he was ready to go too. You know, I,
0: I kind of get, I get the, the idea that there was um, expertise that you were, that you were looking for, but I want to dig in on the, the timing a little bit more. So it, can you think back to that? What happened at that last trade show that made, the decision, it different for you that that it was actually now time to proactively get on your front foot and start the process. Like was something going on in your personal life, or were you like, because because you'd been courted for a while, and and you clearly knew you were sort of a hot commodity, so you could have switch, you know, flip the switch anytime, really. But yeah. there was something that must have happened that made you think, yeah, okay, now's the right time.
2: I don't think it was a big life event. I think it was more just just knowing that. It's, it's healthy to de risk any investment. Um, and it's also healthy to, to know that you're not the smartest person in the room. And I think when you blend both of those together, that bringing on a partner, taking some cash off the table is just a smart move. Um, it also is a moving target. You can never time it. You, know, you could always say, but next year, but next year. Um, and I think that the way that we kind of set it up, along with our kind of um, tiered earnout, um, will allow us to continue having motivation for Pure Vita, but also you know, have another uh, healthy exit as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And and I'd love to get into that. Before we go though, you're, you had 25 kind of interested parties that that sort of signed a letter or an NDA, I'm guessing of some sort. Got it. And what was the, what were some of your reflections when you think about those? Were there any sort of themes that came out of those meetings that might be helpful for our
2: listeners? I mean, yeah, it was a, it was a huge learning process. I feel like just going through that, I like went to grad school or something. Um, (laughs) I mean, we're sitting across the table, um, across the conference room table with billionaires. We're sitting across the table with, I mean, CMOs of public companies. I mean, it it was, it was pretty awesome. I mean, the fact that they wanted to take a meeting with us, we were honored. Um, So I think, you know, it's really cool being in this position because you're basically interviewing, both sides are interviewing each other because you either both want each other or you both don't want each other. And I think a big learning was, you know, knowing that, that there is fad risk with any company. You know what I mean? People want to know, so how long is this going to stick around for? Or is this brand cool in five or 10 years? Or um, what happens if X, Y, and Z? Or how are you going to fix these issues? So um, it's, it's really like a poking and prying type of um, interview, um, if you will. But you got to know that their questions are valid. And it's probably the first time we've ever been challenged with those questions. So um, there's a little bit of discomfort when you're asked. Them.
0: Yeah. So you were asked questions. What were your questions of them? Like you said, it was a two-way street. So what sort of questions were you asking those 25 companies?
2: I would say um, you know, uh, our, our, our point of view on private equity is that we, there's private equity and they're strategic. Okay, strategic is, is a brand, you know what I mean? Private equity is more of um, kind of a bank, if you will. And the way that we viewed both of those is the private equity is more, they want, to, they want your business to grow, they want to pump money into it, and then maybe after a couple years, have another exit. Where we felt that going with a strategic company um, was better fit for Pura Vita because we wanted this brand to be around for five, 10, 20 plus years. And we know that with Vera Bradley's expertise
1: and their longevity and how long they've been a brand for. Um, that's what we were aligned with most.
0: Got it. And you felt so again, some of our listeners would have explored the private equity versus sort of strategic. What other sort of um kind of conclusions did you come to about the private equity offer
1: and how it differed than a strategic? I think the private equity was more um, it was more of a it was more of a, how do I say like, like more like math and calculation and more, more
2: leverage on just like continued quicker growth where the strategic decision, uh, the strategic buyer for us was more on longevity of the brand um, and basically making sure that Pura Vita is going to be around for a while and that together we want to build this into a household name. So I guess, I guess my kind of summary is private equity in my eyes was more kind of and flip and lean out kind of model. And then the strategic is more create more structure from within, grow this brand and continue to kind of scale it for the longer term. That's kind of my point.
0: Got it. Of the seven offers, uh, how many of them were from strategics and how many from private equity?
2: So we had, out of the 25, we only met with three strategics and 22 private equity. So out of the seven offers, there is one strategic and six private equity. So um, the private equity is obviously more common. Um, it just has its different risks associated with it. Got it. And, and I, I looked
0: at the Pure Vita slash Vera, I guess, I guess it was a Vera Bradley press release. Uh, so all, all kind of public information as I understand it. So um, to some of, the, some of the details here, I've got, um, you guys were doing 68 million. Um in in revenue, thirteen point seven million in adjusted EBITDA. Um so the overall value, the overall cash was seventy-five million dollars for seventy-five percent of the company. Is that right? And I guess two two and a half on earnout?
2: Exactly, yeah. So it's basically for the seventy-five percent, um, it's right right under the hundred million mark for that seventy-five percent between seventy-five million and the adjusted earnout. Um that will trigger from the 2019 sales. Um, and then after that, there's a, another earnout for the 25% uh, purchase. So it's, it's a put call agreement. So if if Pura Vita wants to sell the remaining 25% to Pure Bradley, then they'll buy it and vice versa.
0: And, and at what price? Well, yeah, I, I Explain uh, the put call for, for, yeah. for me so, and others who don't understand the intricacies.
2: Yeah. So, so it's 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 pretty nitty gritty in the terms, um, mm-hmm. but kind of just for like simple terms, um, the value of Pura Vita will be determined at the future multiple and the future EBITDA of the brand at year five. So the, okay. same, way, the same way they calculated it um, in 2019, they'll do a similar calculation in 20, 2024. So it's not, then, it's, it's
0: kind of a moving number. Got it, got it. And the multiple I've got, I, I've just derived it of 7.3 times adjusted EBITDA. Is that about right? Uh, it was nine, 9.5. 9.5. Oh, I must've done it against the smaller, uh, against the upfront, the downside. Yeah, so
1: the, the,
2: the enterprise value was 130 million. Okay. So that's, that's, you kind of work backwards. So the enterprise value is 130 and then 75% was for 75 million plus up to 22.5. And then the remaining 25% is for the future value and the EBITDA.
0: Got it. So you guys have got some uh, some, some, some skin in the game and, and motivation to continue to grow the business. How, how did that valuation compare across the spectrum of offers? So you, you mentioned you had seven, one from the strategic. How, what were the other sixes sort of uh, offers like?
2: Yeah, I would say I think there was two two that were a little bit higher and then the rest were lower. So it was definitely like mid to high range. Um. It definitely wasn't the highest offer, which did come in from a private equity. And we did feel, like I said before, that um it's not just about the dollars, it's also about the longevity of your decision. Um, because this is the biggest decision we made in the decade, the biggest single decision. Um, so I think that it's important to know that Pure Vita was never started to make money and, and just to become a profitable business. Like we started out of a college trip that turned into a business. So mm-hmm. with that type of mentality. You know, and, and and us not choosing the highest um, dollar non offer, they kind of go hand in hand. Like we truly wanted to go with the partner that we felt would bring this brand around for ten plus years.
0: What was it about the private equity offer, the 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 one that was for a higher amount, that you didn't that didn't quite sit well? Was was there anything about the terms that didn't quite match the the Vera Bradley terms?
2: I would say, yeah, maybe maybe slight mix in the terms. Um, You know, I think our uh, our alignment on just kind of like the brand growth and and how quickly we wanted to grow it, and also the potential risk at a three or five year earnout, it seemed it seemed uh, more secure on the Vera Bradley deal. When the other one was, you know, if we don't hit this, then it's it's less likely you're going to hit this. It's just kind of it's more of a once again kind of a a de-risking strategy.
0: Yeah, you were being asked to shoulder more of the risk in the the private equity deals.
2: For example, if we went with the other deal it would have been more money up front. And if we blow past all of our numbers for the next three to five years, then yeah, that second earnout could be more. But we felt that the Vera Bradley deal was a little bit more strategic, a little safer, and a little bit more conservative for our type of mentality.
0: What did Vera Bradley see in you guys? Like, why was, why was it strategic for them?
2: Well, I think it's strategic for them because, you know, pure Vita, a lot of people considered as a kind of a, um, an e-commerce expert um, in terms of our, our website performance, our social media presence. Um, you know We're a dominant player um, in the tech space for Shopify. So I think that they really viewed us as kind of a coach to help them with their social media strategy along with their e-commerce strategy. Um, very broadly, it's going to be switching over to Shopify, which is the platform we're on. Um, so we're going to help them set up all the apps that is on. Um, we're going to help, um, you know, whether it's reducing some of our costs because both brands are signing up for the much service there's a lot of benefits with kind of aligning both brands on the Shopify platform. And I think Vera Bradley's e-commerce team really looks at Pura Vita as a coach for that transition.
0: What was, maybe you could describe the subscription model you guys have and as, and then I'd also love to ask you how that played into your conversations with uh, Vera Bradley.
2: Yeah. I mean, the subscri- subscription model was um, started, I think over three years ago and we basically wanted to, Solve the issue for a couple of things. One, how do we have another revenue stream? How do we have a predictive, predictable revenue stream? And how do we create a way for customers to buy more than one to two times? And we did that by getting people hooked on a subscription. It's called the Pure Vita Monthly Club. It's $14.95 per month, free shipping, and three bracelets that come in this package every month that you can only get if you subscribe. So you can't buy them anywhere else you know, that every single month is a new package and every month comes with a sticker that you can only get in that order. Um, and the, the emphasis on this sticker is is pretty mind blowing. So Pure Vita, our best converting Facebook ad is free sticker pack with every order. So you got to think about that. Who loves stickers more than anyone it is people that are in in high school, in college, they put on yeah. their water bottles, their laptop, their binder, their window, their dorm room, whatever it is. So this free sticker pack with every order and the exclusive sticker in the monthly club is almost more of a draw, if not the same amount of draw as the product itself.
0: Hmm. That's wild. That's wild. What percentage of your revenue
1: was coming from the subscription offering at the time of the acquisition? Um, It was about, I think 15%. One five yeah fifteen fifteen to twenty percent-ish. Yeah. yeah I
0: think in the public disclosure documents from Vera Bradley, it was like eighteen point something it, it, you can google it, but it, it, yeah. yeah something in that fifteen to twenty range got it and and did what role did the subscription offering play in your in your dialogue with Vera Bradley leading up to the sale? Was that something you guys talked about
2: yeah I, I think they they view it as another channel, you know what I mean so mm-hmm. each each channel for Pure Vita has kind of a different um a different math behind it, you know what I mean from like the gross margin, the profit, and the EBITDA. So we have our wholesale business, we have our e commerce business, and we have our subscription business. Um, so when you kind of put all those together,
1: those channels create the top line revenue for the sale.
0: Yeah. This is a goofy question, but I, I have to ask. I mean, you're a young guy, right? Like, if, if you're watching this on YouTube, you can see Griffin's got a beanie hat on. I mean, you look like you just come off a surf
1: <laughs> trip of some sort started with 400 bracelets like 10 years ago. And here we are like a hundred million dollar company. Like what, what, what does that do to a guy? I mean, I don't know. You kind of just got to roll with it. You know what I mean? You can't let money change you. Um, You got to take care of your friends and family and you just
2: got to enjoy life. Um, I come into work every day with a smile on my face. Um, I walk around the office, inspiring the staff to continue working hard. Um, You know, we just had the opportunity to build our own custom office. So whether it's the cold brew on tap, the the waiting room um, that we have, the ocean view from everyone's desk, or the food delivery that happens pretty much every day. Um, I think people just love coming to the office and that's what makes me happy and wanting to continue to work hard.
0: What's been the most surprising thing about that amount of wealth that quickly?
2: Um, I think probably just preservation from the beginning. Um, You know, you hear these stories about people like hitting a lottery and then losing all their money and then they're filing for bankruptcy. Like, that's something that I would never do, but I feel like, um, that's like the worst case scenario. So I think it's really important to know that by coming up into, um, into wealth, you have to know how to preserve it. You have to know how to protect it and set it up for long-term growth. So you know you can build, you know, wealth for your family and your kids' kids.
0: Where do you get that wisdom from? Where have you received that wisdom from? Again, I go back to the fact, like I'd expect that answer from someone who's 60 years old, has, you know, grandkids and has been around the block for a, many, many turns. Um, where did you get that kind of wisdom from?
2: Um, I think just always watching the news and having a good financial advisor since I was 18 and, and just kind of being very in the know of what's, what's going on in the market and just knowing how to, you know, really live a lifestyle and prepare for a lifestyle for the rest of my life that I kind of have this in my head. You know, I mean, I, I grew up, I grew up in LA, um, you know, in Agora, Calabasas, West Lake area. I would surf Malibu pretty much three or four days a week. And I would see all these people driving around in nice cars and living in these pretty, pretty nice houses. And I was like, what's the difference between me, 17 year old Griff with a surfboard and sandy feet, and that guy rolling up in his Bentley to his mansion? I mean, that, you know, it's, it's just how do you paint that picture and how do, you, how do you create the bridge and walk across it? And I think after going to college at San Diego State, joining the Greek system, finding the bracelets in Costa Rica, And just somehow figuring it all out, you know, it, it just, it's tough. I mean, I, I I don't really have something else to say. It's just, it just kind of. How how did, how
0: has it impacted your relationship with the guys you knew at, at school?
2: Um, I mean, I still, I'm still best friends with our, our same crew. Um, the same guys that I graduated college with. Um, we all live on the same street in San Diego. Um, it's kind of like the dream scenario, uh, we all live on the same street. We, we surf as much as we can. Um, all the surfboards are stored in my garage. So every Saturday morning, you know, all the,
1: uh, all the buddies show up in my driveway, sunscreen, wax, blasting music. And then Monday morning comes and we're all back at the office. But it doesn't have a,
0: um, I mean, isn't, isn't there an elephant in the room now with the relationships? I I mean, if I'm just going to work for my, my, my kind of everyday job and there's Griffin rocking up on Monday morning, having a very different situation, isn't it a sort of an elephant in the
1: room? Um, no, I mean, I think, I think it's just been pure Vita and my lifestyle along with Paul's has always been blended
2: into one thing. And I think that as our success grew over the 10 years, we've always given to our friends, we've given to our family, we've. Hosted parties, hosted Thanksgiving. We paid for a taco guy. We paid for a trip. We've got the extra hotel room. It's like, I think that those kind of things just kind of go along with it. And I don't think that there is an elephant in the room because
1: we've always been so grateful for growth along the way. Did you buy yourself a trophy? Um, I mean, I got a Tesla. I feel like that's, there you, uh, go. you know,
2: got to help Elon's stock price.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's not having many problems these days. I know.
1: <laughs> Good for you. What'd you buy? What? Uh, which one? I got the uh, the Tesla, the Model S. Nice. Did you get the P one hundred? Yeah. Attable. It's fun. Fun car. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> well,
0: listen, I uh, I, I just it, you, you have a fairy tale. I, I I'm sure it, it, you hear this all the time, and um, and I'm sure it was hard work, incredibly hard work, but but it just. Uh, you have an amazing story, and it's just an amazing, uh, authentic story. And I'm I'm really grateful for you sharing with us. Thank you. Well, I appreciate it. You definitely uh, asked some great questions, so I, I feel inspired too. Awesome, Griffin. We're uh, if people want to reach out, uh, do you want to send them to a website or are you, do you accept LinkedIn connections? What's yeah. you know, What's the best?
2: I would say not LinkedIn. I get tons of spam on LinkedIn as most yeah. people. Do. Um, but just email me Griffin at or um, I'm pretty active on Instagram, so just at Griffin Thal, you can send me a DM, um, and I'd be happy to uh, pick up the phone and chat.
0: Griffin, appreciate it. Thanks for joining. Thank you. Peace out.
1: Thanks. Thanks for listening to Built to Sell Radio with John Warlow. For complete show notes with links to additional resources, visit builttosell.com slash blog. John is the founder of the Value Builder System. To find out how to improve the value of your business by 71%, visit ValueBuilderSystem.com. John is also the author of Built to Sell, creating a business that can thrive without you and the automatic customer, creating a subscription business in any industry. Connect with John at Facebook.com slash Built to Sell or on Twitter at John Warlow, W-A-R-R-I-L-L-O-W. Thanks for listening.